warm welcome to Meditation Jam. My name is Maria and I'm your host. And today I have the pleasure to share with you my talk that I have with Penny Billington. Penny is a druid since about 30 years. She is also an author and she has written a series of books, uh, four books about druidry and uh, she has also written some other uh, more fun fictionary books. She is a speaker and a workshop leader and I am so happy to have her joining us today and share her big heart and wisdom. After the uh, talk we go straight into meditation where we connect with the elements to help us clear our path and ignite our heart into the 2021. So, I now say most welcome to Penny. Okay, so today I say a heartfelt welcome to Penny. Hi, how are you? Hello, I'm fine, thank you. I'm really looking forward to our talk. The sun is shining. Life is wonderful. It's uh, in Somerset at the moment, um, and to say that at the end of this year is quite something. So really looking forward to chatting. Oh, lovely. And yes, that is quite something to have those feelings by the end of this year. Mm. <laughs> so you are a druid and uh, some people might know what it is and some people might think about uh, some movie or Merlin and uh, other associations. but. Just to get the background, what got you started to this path and when did you start? Well, I've been a sort of spiritual searcher since I was a young child, but I never found anything that I was completely comfortable with. So by the time I was in my mid-twenties, I thought, well, maybe I'm just a spiritual tourist and maybe I haven't got any sort of depth to me on Of course, it was just that I'd get so far with the system and then something would not quite be right about it. Um, It was when I found Druidry where I found that um, all the ideas of Druidry were sort of embedded in the narrative strain of of the land that I lived on that Mm. found I've come home. So what I'm saying is if I put when I put on a Druid robe, it's big enough to fit in all my ideas about my spirituality. Mm. Um, having said that, there's nothing nationalistic about it because we have druids worldwide. The important thing is that you connect to the earth under your feet wherever you are. Yes, and that was actually some something I thought about because I connect druids to maybe Europe, parts of Europe, but, but they are all over. Uh, we've got uh, hundreds going on thousands in America, hundreds in um, Australia, all, all over the planet. Mm. Uh, really, It's how you, I would say a Druid feels like an indigenous priest of their land. And that's quite difficult, really, for people who, who live on lands which have got very old cultures of their own. But really, you have to trust your personal connection. and. Yeah what comes between you know what comes as a result of you and the relationship with the land mm. and so for 
those of um, us who are not fully into this or know about this but are attracted to it or maybe don't know even what the druid is how would you describe the teachings and what it is a druid is someone who feels that there's a spiritual dimension to life and doesn't want to put it in a package they feel that probably the best way of looking at the spiritual and the divine is by viewing the wonder of nature. So that's how they explore their spirituality. And nature tells us about life force and diversity and living together and connection, relationship, all the plants, animals, trees, rivers. There are a lot of life lessons from nature. Uh, which are practical life lessons, but also go into a spiritual sense of how we all interact. So the first thing is that we explore our spirit through nature. Yeah. And what comes from that is that we realize that all nature is sentient. There is an intelligence and a life force in all nature that's different, but the same as ours. Um, so that means we can communicate and we can... Uh, weave our stories together and what that comes down to is that druids love being human we love having a human body having a human life although it's a pain sometimes you know yep. being ill or, or not having enough money or whatever yet still there's something wonderful about being human we're not trying to transcend anything or get anywhere else we want to enjoy our life on this planet with all the rest of the uh, sentient beings and we need to be creative mm. because when we're creative in a way we're co-creating our world we're sort of joining with the divine spirit in making our world better making our world more enriched and more our own so and that's part of our service so the, there's quite a lot to unpack there but there's the spiritual dimension to nature and our connection to it. Celebrating being human and celebrating being creative as a way of being of, of service. Yeah, I, I love that. And I think that is part of what draws me to this. Uh, the fact that the, what you say, being, we are actually here right now. It's not about... Uh, trying to be in another dimension or you can connect to other dimensions but mm. we are supposed to live here right now yes and enjoy it enjoy y it yes because of course we've got this template of ancient druidry now the old druid the druids of old we only know a tiny bit about them just enough to weave myth and legend around them and that's why they're so so important in films and books and so on. We love the idea of the wise druid. Um, but we do know enough about them to know that they were of service and they they had skills for their communities, that sort of thing. So in a way, we're connecting to our ancestors and the ancestors of the land and using them as, as role models to be the best people we can whilst having a lot of fun. Yes, I, I like that. <laughs> That's really what the, the joy. Uh, I, I love to have that as a guide in life that I know that I'm on the right path when I feel happy. Yes. And sometimes I think we 
we think that joy is uh, naive or uh, frivolous or but it's not that it's not like the the shallow joy is that deep knowing that you just feel happy within your body there's a there's a phrase that's very useful it should be on everyone's fridge and mm-hmm. it's like, just because it's important doesn't mean it always has to be serious ah i love it <laughs> yeah. uh, and there's something very important about being joyful and in the moment and really, I think that's why a lot of people listening might do ritual, because that's one way of getting yourself completely in the moment, mm. not thinking about past, future, or not thinking about what's happening, just doing it and being it. Mm. One experience. So would you say, is there a lot of rituals within uh, within this? Well, the order that I belong to supplies eight rituals for the year mm. uh, to mark the changing seasons because of course being a nature religion that's what you want to do but really it's completely up to the individual some are contemplative druids and would rather meditate quietly some are ritualists who are never happy unless they're getting crowns and robes and things or then skipping round. but the druid robe is big enough for us all we don't have we have no rules that say we've got to do this or that or the other Mm. we have got to love nature and we have got to observe and notice what is happening. That's that's the only guideline, really. Mm. And I think it's so, I mean, everyone knows that we have fallen off nature in our society with everything that's going on. And you are constantly available and you you just don't stop and listen. And But I do also, maybe that's the optimist in me, but I do feel that there is a movement back. There is something that uh, we are stopping because it's gone too far. So we are, a lot of people are stopping and actually starting to appreciate nature again. I always think the Druids of old, back in the Iron Age, had it much easier than us because they didn't have to make the choice between looking at the stars or watching television Mm. with their iPad, you know, uh, listening to sounds and this sort of thing. um, There's a lot to be said for making life more simple and that's really a major change we've had over this year where people have been restricted from going out and whatever yeah. people really begun to understand how little they need especially i mean i'm older but younger people who i know were working in the habit of going out five, at least five times a week they now really appreciate their homes and picking up a book, it's, which has got to be good for our sanity, I think, as, as a species, yeah. to remember these simple things. Yeah, yeah, and and I, I've said it so many times here, but I don't mind saying it again. The thing that we have learned this year, I think, also is that we appreciate the little things, and it's not what we thought we would uh, miss. That I mean, we don't miss going to the mall, but we miss meeting our grandmother or uh, friends. It's, it's a great, something like this is a wake-up call to re- the reality, mm. realities of what we live. Normally, we can take them for granted. People will always be around, we'll always be able to do whatever we want. When we can't, it, it's a great um, inspirer of gratitude. Yeah. Every time you, re- you, know, you ring your family and you know that they're all safe and well, um, really having food on the table and being warm enough as a very cold, miserable winter sets in, you know, it's yeah. simple things. Yes. 
Yeah, I'm feeling there's so much happening this December. Uh, started with the um, uh, lunar eclipse, or maybe even started with the autumn equinox. A starting point for for like the final transition this um, this year. I've been reading a, a, a lot about what astrologers say about um, the lunar and then the solar eclipse and uh, stargates and so on. Herald all this sort of thing um and it's fascinating and we can never know all we can do is observe druids are great observers we just notice what's going on and what's happening around us i think the main thing we're waiting for is for for governments and industry and huge monolithic structures to catch up with the way ordinary people know life should be yes yeah and and although I, I take your point about uh, technology, it's uh, and we re- over rely on it. It is a huge force for good in that people can actually start to make their voices felt and influence politicians. I mean, I'm thinking of Gre- Greta Thunberg. You see, it started that wonderful young people's movement. Yeah, I thought back to when I was in the sixth form, and. Everyone just had a landline. Most people had a television because it was a long time ago. If I'd had a protest about anything yeah. and day off school, well, I'd have just been given detention the next day. And that yeah. You know, but with, with uh, social media, this became a worldwide movement for this wonderful young woman. Absolutely brilliant. So as long as we use technology correctly, it's a great force for good, I think. Oh, yes. And I am so happy because I have I know I'm I mean, I'm sitting in Sweden and I have listeners all over the world and I'm just mm. amazed how, how, you know, you find it. And, and also I am listening to people all over the world and find what suits me. And we, yes, yeah, you say this interview would have been cost a million if we had done it in the 1970s over the phone. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's all about. It's all about like-minded people getting together and making new stories for themselves and for the world, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Life, life is a, there's something in our brains that likes to make stories. And when we're on a spiritual quest, we make stories with the landscape or with a higher power. And when we're doing this sort of thing, we're making a story together, you know, of, of shared interests and, and communication. Yeah. But fabulous stuff <laughs> yeah it's absolutely is <laughs> so i know in in druidry there is the the um, you call i don't know is it the spirit you call arwen i don't know if i pronounce that the right arwen yes yeah um, is that the, the the kind of the the core the main teaching story of druidry because we have no received wisdom and we have no creation story but we do have the story of taliesin who was uh, a little boy, Guillaume Bach, who became the preeminent bard of these islands. And by having bardic skills, by being a poet, we mean they were divinely inspired. And he was inspired by the spirit of Arwen, which is a Welsh word. Wen always indicates white, fair, otherworldly. So it's a, a flow of energy from another place, a mysterious place mm-hmm. that inspires us. So most of the time we write little bits of scribbly uh, rhymes, but just some one time Arwen hits and we write a proper poem that feels almost as if it's not ours, yeah. as if it's inspired from another place. 
Yes, so we believe in the, we call to the spirit of Arwen. We ask for inspiration. And if, for example, I have a lovely picnic in a forest or something like this, I would sing the word Arwen to the forest before I go as a thank you, because it's only polite to say thank you when you've had a nice time, you know. Yeah. Uh, There's a lot about reciprocity just because life forms are flowers or trees or rivers doesn't mean we can't be polite. And we only know one way to be polite. It's the way our mums and dads and carers taught us. That's to say our pleases and thank yous, to give them little gifts, um, to let them know we appreciate them. Mm. So that's part of my regular practice with the outside world. I love that. I know that sometimes when I, I do these daily wo- walks and uh, in nature, and uh, I think that sometimes I remember to, you know, send my gratitude but otherwise I feel I'm just so I just walk around with this like warm fussy loving feeling that I'm you know I'm just in love with everything around me in the forest and I think that is a way also of gratitude yeah that's that's sufficient isn't it you're that you're that's what you're expressing gratitude by doing that Uh, it doesn't have to take a a special form I always think that because of all the um, different life forms, we're the ones who've got really sophisticated voices. So I quite like to use mine Um, in in praise poems and so on, just as a tree likes to rustle its leaves or whatever. But Mm. a silent way to do it is to imagine the words thank you imprinted on the soles of your shoes so that every time you step, you're, you're imprinting a thank you on the earth. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, that was brilliant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and do you find uh, do you find it easy to incorporate this way of life into your everyday life? Yes, of course I do, because I've been a Druid for well, about 30 years now. So it's sort of everything I do comes from my expression of Druidry, really. It's sort of it's built in built into me. So in that way things are natural to me i don't have to think about this uh saying please and thank you uh looking out i've just looked out the window again although we're talking because i check in with my natural environment all the time and i can do that Uh, i was saying no because some people are restricted by being in an office or whatever but of course whatever your work situation Mm. people you can still do this sort of thing. Just remind yourself you're a spiritual human being and look out the window occasionally, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's it's as simple as that, really. Yeah, I have a friend, she lives in Stockholm and uh, in the city mm. and uh, she has this um, bird that comes on her window, like high up. And mm. I mean, yours, that's her sign and it comes now and then and in any any moment and it's like, so you don't have to actually be in the forest to get the signs and the, the messages, I believe. That's right. I mean, there are a number of books on urban druidry because, of course, that's the, that's the challenge to be a druid wherever we are. Um, and actually, it's good being a druid in the city because it, it keeps you aware. Things are so easy. Yeah. You live in a rural location. You're surrounded by by beauty or by driving rain or stinging snow or whatever but you're aware all the time mm. but in the in the city you can easily scuttle from your car into your 
building into your office, back to your car, back home and never really be aware. So it's a great awareness exercise being in the city. When I lived in a large city in the Midlands, we had a walk um, because the skyline prevented us from seeing the moon. And wow. we had a, a, a circular walk which we took every new moon because we knew exactly where we would see the new moon in between the two roofs of houses. Uh, And that was that was good. I mean, I I'm in a much smaller city now, the smallest in England, but we still take a walk out and check out, check out the moon because we haven't got a huge landscape. And that's really good. Really good. Yeah. As you say, because I also moved from Stockholm and now I live on a small island outside Gothenburg and mm-hmm. living in Stockholm, you hardly never see the the starry sky because it's so much light. But now it's like unless it's bad weather, mm-hmm. it's just here. So it's as you say, it's much easier to just uh, uh, connect with that. And if you're in a big city, you kind of have to be more aware and you have maybe to take a step. Yeah, mm, exactly. Yeah. I was reading in your book that I re- that really caught my eye as well is that you talk about three parts or three uh, rays of life that you have come up with uh, the nature knowledge and the devotional ray. Yes. Yeah. Would you like to expand a little bit about that? Well, this is some this is a connection I'm very proud of because I made it. If you will, let's talk about the R and the inspiration. Imagine three dots. Yeah. Just three little dots. And coming down from each dot and raying out, there are three rays coming out at a slight angle. So not straight down, but at at an angle. The two outside ones going out, the middle one straight. That is the sign of the Arwen, which is three rays of light. Now, my other interest is in Dion Fortune, who was the greatest magician of the 20th 20th century, I think. And she had had a practice which talked about three rays and they would be the nature ray of she got power from that the power of nature the hermetic ray that's the knowledge ray and the devotional ray the way of service and devotion and love and compassion um now whenever she did magic she had three people each one representing a ray and i just thought that works perfectly with druidry because if you're all book learning Um, you're rather in your head and if you're all love and compassion well you can do that without much reference to any sort of spiritual system and if you're all nature well that's just the practical stuff but if you put the three together Mm. you've actually got a working spiritual system where everything you 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 learn something you make a correspondence with what's actually happening in the land and then you see how you can be of service by using it with love and compassion i mean this idea of having a revelation about the diversity of nature for example you go out and you check the diversity you you learn about that that's one part of the ray you go out and check what's actually happening on your land for example, we haven't got cactus plants here because I'm not in the desert. I'm in England. I uh, <laughs> find out what's actually there. And then you think, how can I use those lessons of diversity and uh, living together being good for me to be of service? And, oh, 
well, actually, there's a council meeting and people can speak and, uh, you know, they're trying to do something that I think is rather restrictive. So let me go and speak about not being frightened of diversity or, yeah. you know, a simple example. Um, and we don't take everything that literally. But those three ideas are, are always in my mind to when they're melded together, they make for a very satisfying practice. Yeah, and I'm thinking uh, because to have like three points, it's so easy. So when you feel you kind of bounce out of the day or, you know, yeah, then it's okay, wait, which one is it that I need to fill up on? Well, everyone experiences this when they've had five hours at their computer and think, oh, God, I must get out into the air. Um, You know, they're naturally balancing themselves, aren't they? Mm, Yeah. Between head work and and the physical, you know, the, the needs of the physical body. And then they come back and make a beautiful soup for their family. And that's part of the loving compassion ray, you know, of giving and being of service. So if we're out of balance, we notice. Yeah. And also I'm thinking because we have the knowledge, uh, I talk a lot about uh, the shift now that we are um, acting from our heart instead of our mind. And I can feel that sometimes it can be perceived as I am saying our mind isn't uh, supposed to be part of us anymore but I'm that's not what I mean but it's it's not supposed to be the captain the heart is the captain and the mind is the co co captain or co co-worker but yes. also that uh, the knowledge that the infinite knowledge we have in our heart when we open up and let it uh, it's just amazing yes I think we have an intuitive knowledge of our connection to the land. And also, I mean, the Druids of old were learned. They they knew things. They, uh, Julius Caesar said they're masters of natural science and they knew the planets and the movements of the starry heavens. They were respected for their knowledge. And I rather like that about them. I don't say dru- modern Druids have to be, but, but because I that side of it appeals to me some people are much more intuitive uh druids and they uh they go on that side like i say the druid robe will fit us all but i like the fact that i can learn and study and the reason i teach and write books is that is because it's teaching me all the time and that's what i love yeah of course yeah i think the heart space is very interesting because it's a real authentic thing to feel that you're in your heart space. And I think in popular culture, it can be seen, misinterpreted as being emotional all the time. Yeah, yeah. Emotional. And I would say coming from your true heart space is a mother who stops their child doing something. It's called tough love, but it keeps them safe and it gives them boundaries and it gives them, you know, so it's not always being giving it's also about boundaries and and being true to the right way of doing things being authentic yeah so so true and and as you say i feel when you talk about it sometimes it's just connected to uh, like romantic love or or like and it's 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 not that it is the our core wisdom i feel that's uh, and that can be as you say tough love yeah that's right yes yeah yeah so another thing that I really like about this uh, with Druidry, and uh, it appeals so much to me, is the beauty that's being brought into it, whether it's uh, through poems or stories or singing and, of course, the beauty in nature. And I don't know if you can ask this, but why is it important for a Druid and 
um, why do you think it's important for our world to, to appreciate the beauty around us and bring it in? It's absolutely vital, isn't it? Because as we've looked to, if you just look back over 20 years, you'll see that all the creative arts in our schools are on, are just being left out because people want our children to join a sort of rat race as soon as they leave school. So our yeah. schools, instead of allowing children to express themselves, are turning into training grounds uh, for, you know, young bankers or IT consultants or whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, you everything has to have an end, but the art of life is to be creative, and I think that's the difference between living and existing. Now, yeah. if, if we're not being creative, we don't f feel fulfilled, and we don't quite know why. Now, in Druidry, we've got this role model of the bard, the poetry maker, the song maker, this sort of thing. That's far too restricting. What I'd say is if you want to know what your creative urge is, think for a moment of what you love doing that, so that at the end of it you think, oh, oh, where's the time gone? Oh, mm. oh, 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 it was, uh, you know, the whole evening's gone. And yet it seemed to pass in a second. And when you feel like that, you know, you've had a wonderful time. So the whole evening's gone, but it passes in a second. You know you've been completely present doing something you love. And Druid say, you know, if that is cake making or if that is digging in your garden, that is just as creative and bardic as writing a poem. Yeah. Um, having said that, we all get the poetry, the music, the dance sort of discouraged from a very early age. And it's part of my mission to help people to re-engage with moving and singing and dancing and doing things. You know, we do them badly. We look, you know, to the outside world, we look ridiculous. Yeah. Well, so do it in your in your um, kitchen where no one can see you, but just do it. You know, pretend you're a tree and start swaying, you know, just move and praise and sing along to things just be your authentic self in your own kitchen if nowhere else um because it whenever we're creative like that whenever we do the unexpected it wakens up that slumbering sense of ourself that mm. wants to enjoy life mm. and have fun I believe also that uh, art for us is like the highway to our heart because when there is beauty or we look at a painting or hear something or read, it's like our mind uh, stops and uh, mm. you go straight to the heart and uh, connect. Yes. There used to be an advert. You might be too young for it, but it was for a beer. And mm -hmm. uh, it's, it showed so someone drinking a beer and miraculous things happening. And it said... Heineken refreshes the parts that other beers can't reach. And um, that's what we're talking about here, isn't it? The, the, the arts refresh our spirit yeah. in a way that getting a £20 a week pay rise doesn't. I mean, that's very nice uh, and uh, must be respected. Pay rise is always good. But actually, to refresh our spirit... yeah. We need to get things that bypass the rational brain and go straight to our heart space. It's why we'll listen to music 
and suddenly find we've got tears in our eyes and yeah. we don't even know why it's just so beautiful yeah mm. yeah i love that and uh, another thing that i also like as far as i can understand and I, I think you said it in the beginning as well that to take ownership and uh, enjoying our time and and in the moment and it's not about putting our faith outside but putting our faith inside to ourselves mm. and um Can you feel this shift that we are actually starting to uh, become more about doing and and taking responsibility other than maybe I I felt that it's been a long period where we just, oh, I've read this and I've read the affirmation and I I know the teachings, but you you aren't putting it into your daily life. I I think, yes, I I agree that that's happening more, but I think it's a matter of temperament. There will always be people who who would... uh, who really are dipping their toe in the water and eventually they will they will read a hundred books before eventually they will do something and yeah. set themselves on the course and you know that's a path you've got to respect but what I like is the way people are stepping up and taking responsibility in a creative way if you look at the climate change protests and so on hmm. whenever you see them you see artwork you see celebration you see people enjoying uh, taking responsibility and I think that is the way to do it because there's so much wrong with the world one can feel weighted down and people can feel that unless we're being worthy and miserable we're not doing our bit to put things right but of course if we're feeling miserable that then we stop doing something if yeah. we find a way to support it by doing something we love then um, by getting our, our children to draw lovely pictures of rainbows to support the NHS or sunflowers to support climate change or whatever, we, we're making our presence felt um, and yet we're doing it creatively. And we can keep doing that until the end of our lives because it's fun and we love it. Um, I think I do think young people especially, I feel so sorry for them because... They're so much more responsible than I was when I was their age. Yeah. <laughs> and, they, and it weighs, the future of the world weighs very heavily on them, you know. And yeah. you can get bogged down in the big picture. You There's thinking global, but there's just acting local and doing the best you can. And then the important thing is trust. Accepting that you can only do so much and trusting that the next person will pick up the next bit and do their bit as well. Mm. Um, and if we all did that, it's like holding hands across the globe, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. And and sometimes I th- or I think as well as um, we don't have the big picture, so we don't have to solve the whole problem. We can only we can do our little bit and trust, as you say, that it fits into the bigger picture that maybe solves whatever it might be. I think so. Or, I, I think if we if we've got a clear idea of our spiritual intent and our attitude to life and this story we want to make with our lives then Mm. um then we really don't have to apologize or explain ourselves to anyone else we can just get on and do it yeah i love that as i said i think i said before i probably was i have so much um feelings towards this druidry so Mm. i'm not saying i am one but i have definitely (laughs) been one in some life or another (laughs) I think everyone in the world knows that you feel better and more connected when you're watching a sunset than yeah. if you're watching television. And oh, yeah. 
And that is the stirrings of your soul and your spirit saying, you belong here, get out there. And I call the practice of that Druidry. Anyone else can call it whatever they like. That's fine yeah. with me. <laughs> yeah, that's lovely. <laughs> so um, when I was reading this uh, book, and of course you have written uh, many books, but The, the Path of Druidry, this is what I like because there's a mix of stories, uh, beautiful stories and wisdom, and then you have practical tools. Um, what made you write the book? And are the other ones, are they a similar concept with both the stories and tools and... Uh, not quite to the same extent, because there's a lot of uh, a lot of the teaching materials that I love are old Welsh stories, which only go back to medieval times, but have a lot of indication that they're from much older texts. So I feel that they're the written sources that can connect us back to ancient Druidry. And there are four stories in particular called the four branches of the Mabinogion. And I read them and other people read them, but I like to apply things and find out how they can be of use. And no one else had had done this. So there are hero stories of people uh, doing things, having fights, going to magical lands. I think, well, what's that to do with me and my druidry? So Hmm. what I did was I took each story and I found a way of uh, finding lessons from it because a lot of these stories are to teach people about right behavior about honor about keeping your word um uh, and so on and uh and those things still pertain today it is very important if you're a spiritual person to feel you have integrity that your word can be trusted and mm. do what you say and the older i get the more i think the world is divided they're all nice people. Let's take that as a premise. 80% of the of the people who meet will say they're going to do something and they're really nice and they fully intend it, but they won't get around to it. Hmm. 20% will say it and you know that they'll do it. And it's quite important to try and be in the 20%. And some of these ancient stories really tell us about this sort of thing and tell us about what happens when you don't. You know, when you make a promise and you don't keep it and so on. So I'm very proud that I was the first person to take old stories and try and get modern meanings from them. Yeah, and it's so good because you then again, as I said, you, you get both the, the beauty and you get the understanding on another level than just reading uh, because it speaks straight to your heart. Yes, but you, do, you don't have to get this from an ancient text. If you take just take the simplest uh, fairy story, Jack mm. goes out into the world. All his adventures are telling you how to be, how to be. For example, Jack is usually the third child. He's always overlooked. There's never quite enough bread or money for him. Well, we all feel like that, don't we? Mm. You know, no matter where we are in the family, we all sort of think, well, we're special, but not, you know, we're a bit overlooked. Jack goes out and he helps everyone. He gives the birds some bread. He oils the creaking gate. He uh, frees the horse that's got its main court. All those things. He goes and helps in the world. When he's running away back from the wizard with the princess, what helps him? The horse helps him. The yeah. creaking gate helps him. The, the, the bird helps him. Everyone. That tells us a lot about how to make our way in the world. Uh, what relationships are like and how we do things without not wanting a reward. But actually, if we act with the best of intent, 
Hmm. Good things seem to come back. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, and I see it as that's the when we're acting from our heart, it's like you yeah. can't go, do it in any other way because, of course, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the expression in druidry is for the good of all beings. Yeah, that's where we come from, that's what we want. We often make a mess of it or slip up, but genuinely, that's where we come from. Yeah. Mm. And and I also feel like um, druidry, as I think, as well as um, other nature um, cultures that connects to nature and earth and the sky, there is like this happy vibe or joyful vibe that I don't really find in religion. And I'm not dissing any religion, mm. uh, but but I feel like in in the in the this culture there it's m- much more about joy and and actually feeling good and not judging or um i don't know having these uh, sad thoughts about yourself and would you say that's the same in druidry i i would think so because i don't particularly think that anything is above or below me and i think that's very important i think there is a divine essence and and you know which is obviously 20 million times greater than me and shows its expression all over the world but i don't feel it's i'm not beneath it you know i'm it's the best divinity it can be i'm the best human being i can be and no one else is below no one is below me you know that's the crawling on the earth is the best worm that it can be sort of thing you know mm. so i don't have a relationship of hierarchy and of up and down i don't yeah. put myself above some things and below other things and if we're all equal but different that makes us very respectful and also makes us quite choice it's not nice thinking in whatever sense uh, um although it's not literal that there's a big man with a beard wagging his finger at you you know yeah. uh, oh. we, you know we don't want that uh, patriarchal feeling hanging over our spiritual life and i mean i'm talking about a very ancient view very old-fashioned view of some of the major religions i don't think that's in them at all but that's mm. the culture they come from and i am free of it because I've ne- that's never been in my culture. Yeah, and I think that is so healthy. Mm. For someone now who is listening to do this and thinking, oh, this sounds really like, like my way. Um, and they might think, oh, I don't have the time to get into this or dedication or um, yeah, to adapt this teaching. Is there something, if you want to start up, what would you say the first step is as a druid? two first steps yeah um the first one is go for a walk uh we'll go into that in a minute because i'm going to say the second one is go on a druid website and i've i've got one that i'm very proud of so that's the second thing um but uh, no go go on a a druid website and and just read up some ideas because the one thing we do do is spend five and ten minutes quite regularly on the internet checking out things so check it out and see what you think and then go on a walk and just take either a cup of coffee in a mug or a camera or a sketchbook or something that will make you slow down. So every few steps, just stop and have a sip of your coffee or look round to see what picture you'll take or just try and slow down to the pace of nature. Because usually when we walk, 
we're walking to get somewhere even yeah. on a pleasant walk just for the fun of it we know that there's an ending to it but this walk is just going to be foreseeing once we've slowed down a bit i would say drift according to what nature tells you so if a breeze blows up it might seem to be pushing you one way just very gently go that way then you hear a dog barking from somewhere else well go in that direction now then a bird is singing and you really want to hear it so you stop for a moment just do what nature tells you and notice what is happening um and see if you like that feeling if you do like that feeling you will you'll want to get out and do it some more it's certainly a, a great way of really noticing if you don't know what to do sit up beneath a tree and don't get up until you've counted 10 different species of weeds that are growing within a foot and you will find them very easily and you'll go home knowing a little bit more about a place you've always just walked straight past without noticing and then whenever you notice anything say thank you oh thank you i've noticed that and one more mm. again um have a little a little questing after what nature can tell you and see if you like the idea that oh, that was really a beautiful tip uh, and so easy to do yes and you can do and you don't have to be in uh, the country because every city has got a park so when yeah. you go and take your sandwiches out at lunchtime from your office walk through the park and do it find a bench yeah. to sit on Oh, I love that, and I should say also that we will put link to your web page below in this pod. So if you want to check that out, um, uh, it will be easy to see. <laughs> Thank you. Much <laughs> Can you feel that the interest in this teaching has become more open and searched after? Well, I know that it has because I belong to a large, uh, an international teaching organisation called OBOD, the Ord yep. Bards, Ovates, and Druids. And the office tell, tells me that whenever people are worried, whenever there's a situation in the world, uh, whether it's uh, whatever sort of situation that makes us realise the world is fragile, they get a lot more interest shown. A lot more people want the introductory packs. A lot more people want to know about druidry. When people mm. are worried about the world uh, and feel powerless they take they revert back to the power they can have which is their spiritual connection uh, yeah. so i know that these all the nature religions i think have been um are, are much more popular i mean when i joined this organization yeah say there were a handful of people but there certainly weren't the sort of i don't know 17 20,000 or whatever that we might might think there are today there would be, be in the hundreds rather than the thousands Uh, mm. because more and more people want spirit they want connection they want a relationship yeah but they don't they don't want to obey the rules of religion and be told by someone else what they yeah. can and can't do and what is and isn't right because they trust themselves as responsible human beings to make those decisions for themselves yeah i think it's a good instinct to um to to go and search for it and to kind of, instead of trying to search for it outside of yourself and maybe buying stuff or yes uh, our our, our uh, chosen chief who's just uh, retired uh, philip cargom uh, says people used to sit in a restaurant 
and have the meal served and the meal is religion now they want to get in the kitchen and they want to mix the ingredients themselves oh yeah and really i mean, he's he's a great one to to have thought of this unless you are picking what is right for you then it's not your living spirituality i think yeah and to say well picking and choosing that's not really very fair that's to deny the fact that all these spiritual impulses come from the same place and we are yeah. free to choose the ones that most suit our temperament, our way of living, uh, how many hours we work, this sort of thing. You know, do a two hour meditation if you've got a week off. But if you have to get the children out by half past seven, eight o'clock and then then rush to work, that's not going to happen. It doesn't mean you're less of a spiritual person. It means you're fitting in your spirituality with a micro ritual at lunchtime when you go into that park. Yeah, and it's better than nothing. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it, it's actually better than a two-hour meditation because to do that tiny micro ritual frequently is to keep yourself connected all the time. Light a candle, say say thank you at the end of the day, snuff out the candle, go to sleep. That is enough of a ritual to keep you connected. Yeah. Mm. And uh, what would you say is our lesson, lesson during this time on Earth? I think the lesson might be to learn to enjoy. You see, we the way our brains have developed is so weird. We're capable of so much and they have brought us no pleasure whatsoever. So I think the con- reconnecting the head to the heart Yeah. Um, for a happy and fulfilled life is really, as individuals, that is the main thing we have to learn. Yeah. We, can see, we can see in big business and so on what happens when the head rules and what yeah. happens is a mess for the planet and a mess for human beings. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty overdue, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. But also I think maybe it's, I mean, the, the energies and if you look at astrology like we talked about, I mean, it's the... Everything is kind of lining up to this pause. So maybe we just needed this long period to get to where we are right now. I'm sure what what happens is that there's an evolutionary sort of flow to the world. Mm. We can do as spiritual people because the world is working itself out in exactly the way it should. Whether we kill ourselves along the way is neither here nor there. Um, mm. But all we can do as spiritual people is be in, try and be in tune with this evolutionary current and yeah. to help it along yeah so i also saw that you had i was just curious about this you have a course called growing the living tree and it sounded so i don't know it caught my eye mm. what is that <laughs> um well i've had to apologize to, to my students because i'm getting this i've just yesterday uh handed in my book to my publisher which is a different different thing entirely but it means my courses have been delayed until the new year growing the living tree is the idea that i explored in a book about birch oak and you about yeah. the inspiration came when i was just really tired one day and i thought it's too tiring being human and what i meant was it's too tiring having this busy human brain nagging at me all the time what would it be be like not to meditate with a tree or sit under a tree but just to pretend to be a tree 
Oh. So I spent a few weeks thinking, every time I got agitated, I thought, what would an oak tree thinking, think about this? Oh, I wonder what a birch tree would think, and so on. Um, and from that, uh, a book formed, but the course, Growing the Living Tree, uh, keys into the fact that we have always understood from the earliest recorded sources that trees are sacred and also that we have a special relationship with them. I mean, in England, a lot of our words for tree, for parts of a tree are for parts of the body. So our bodies, we call our trunks, just like we have yeah. trunks. Um, the branches of a tree, we call their limbs, just like we have limbs. The top of our head is our crown, just as they have a crown, uh, you know, the crown of the tree, the canopy. We've always had this intuitive understanding that in some way we've got a connection to them. And they sort of live like us. They breathe and they do all those things that, that we do. They breathe, they reproduce, they live, they die. They live longer than us, but not so ridiculously longer that we can't understand it. A stone lives longer than us. Yeah. Well, that goes back millions of years. But a tree that lives between, I don't know, mostly 500 uh, years uh, onwards, um, we can understand that as a lifetime sort of thing. Although some fortunate trees have lived for all oh, thousands of years. Mm. Uh, so the ideas all came together with the idea that although we are a person person, we can we also ha have a tree person within us. And the tree person is our wise self that mm. knows that life is longer than we think. Therefore, we can be more gracious. We can be more considered, more thoughtful. We don't have to use our emotions and exhaust ourselves. We can um, be not judgmental. We can't, we're not an apple tree thinking, I wish I was an oak tree, which is what we do all the time. Isn't it? Yeah. As students, oh, look, at you know, we see some airbrushed person who's been manufactured to look like a beautiful person. And we think I'll never be like that. Thank goodness. You know, we are. I'm an apple tree. You're a birch tree. Someone else is a pear tree. We, you know, it allows us to express our own beauty and not compare ourselves to anyone else. So really, the course is about feeling the qualities of the tree within and without us. So uh, sounds, yeah, yeah, it sounds brilliant. And <laughs> are you doing them online now in these days or have you always done them online maybe or? Um, no, I haven't always done them online, but I think it's a brilliant way to get to people because all the Druid courses I, I do up until now have been constrained by who lives near me, how much yeah. I can afford to pay, how big a room I can rent and all those sort of things. But of course, by doing things online, as with you, as with your membership, you know, you can appeal to people all over the world. Yeah. Um, and that's really nice because it connects you further. It gives uh, it gives the people who want the opportunities can always um, can always access them. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, it's very good. And also it's a teaching thing. You know, if, if you teach about the trees um, in England and you get a student in Australia, they've got a completely idea, different idea of the trees because the terrain is so different. I mean, our tree of eternity is the yew tree because it lives so long and for various reasons. But the tree in Australia 
that's sort of eternal is the one that can withstand the bushfires and oh, yeah. grow up after it. You know, so so one learns by doing this all the time. Yeah, brilliant. And do you have other courses that you do as well? I think. Uh, yes, I've I've got three or four that are all going to be rolled out as we say in the in the new year. Yes, one on uh, I did a magical experiment which became a small booklet which was very interesting. It was called How to Stop the Rain, Conversational Magic with the Cosmos. I did an experiment where we appeared to stop some rain by magic. And the interesting thing was the result was that the people who who were involved with it, it was great fun, didn't take very long, uh, but they all seemed a bit um, embarrassed afterwards as if they didn't want to talk. I thought they'd be really pleased and think this is interesting. Yeah. At the very least, but... No, people seem to think it was a bit of silliness and it made me realise that actually a lot of people not uh, uh, who follow nature religions don't really believe that we can do magic. Now, I do believe we can and I believe it comes with responsibilities. But so uh, one of the courses is about why we do magic, how we do magic, should we do magic, what are the responsibilities? And, uh, you know, this phrase for the good of all beings, of course. Yeah. is a great one when you're trying to take responsibility for magic because it means that if you're not coming from the right place nothing will happen because there are powers greater than ours who can really uh you know who know better so i always yeah. pass things over to those because i'm just a silly human i don't know what's best i just act 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 for the good and um rely on nature to sort it out the divine power of nature yeah, and I think we all done magic one or twice or twenty, fifty times, but we we kind of brush it away and uh, ah, that was just serendipity or it was just fluke or something. But I think those times it was like something within us just connected and yeah. followed the path. Yeah, and but our cultural conditioning is much stronger than those odd feelings we get, and therefore it's easier mm. just to make light of them whereas really every time one happens we should be working to promote that feeling and to do more of it yeah mm. we are now coming into the season of uh, christmas and uh, or the holiday seasons mm. and uh, is there something some uh, druid ritual or something that uh, you could teach us oh <laughs> uh, well there's a there's an interesting thing we uh, pliny um the roman writer um, actually wrote about a druid ritual so very little on what the druids did but we've got this complete ritual and what we can do if we've got five minutes is just settle down and listen to it with our internal screen on so we're imagining ourselves actually doing this and just see uh, what we get from it if you'd like to try doing that yes yeah. absolutely so let's just Take a breath with the earth beneath us and with the sky above us. And with the green sea all around us, no matter how far away it connects every continent and the globe. And if we hear anything we hear from outside, We'll just allow it into ourselves, feeling completely safe and happy as we listen to a story. 
And Pliny says, the Druids, for so their magicians are called, held nothing more sacred than the mistletoe and the tree that bears it, always supposing that tree to be the oak. But they chose groves formed of oaks for the sake of the tree alone. And they never performed their rites except in a presence of the branch of it. So it seems probable the priests themselves may derive their name from the Greek word for the oak. So let us just imagine ourselves in a grove of oak trees and it's winter. And you don't have to see this, you just have to get a feeling for the dark wood, for a starlit sky, for a robe or a cloak because it's chilly. The Druids think that everything that grows on the oak has been sent from heaven. The mistletoe, rarely found upon the oak, when it is, is gathered with all Druids' ceremony. So we've come to witness the cutting of the mistletoe. And as we look, we see a procession of Druids. And one young druid is leading two white bulls. Another druid has a golden sickle. Two more druids have a white cloth and we notice them as they group around the largest tree. And if possible, they gather the mistletoe on the sixth day of the new moon. And you see one of the druids point, and there is the thin sickle moon in the sky. They call the mistletoe by a name meaning all healing. And as we watch, a young druid climbs onto the back of the white bulls and from thence onto the lowest branch and we watch as he climbs up and up and he's between heaven and earth and the mistletoe is hanging between heaven and earth and he takes the sickle and he shears the stem of the mistletoe and below are four druids holding out a white cloth and the mistletoe falls into the white cloth so that it never lands on the earth. And we're going to gradually watch the druid climb down from the tree and as we do, we see the four druids gather up the cloth so the mistletoe is safe inside. And we're going to feel that scene beginning to fade. So we say thank you for a little insight into what the druids used to do. And we feel the need to move our bodies and to breathe deeply. And just to come back with that ceremony in mind as we open our eyes.
and look at our computer screen again. And here we are, back again. And we think that's very interesting. What do we, why? Why did they do that? And I think the secret is the mistletoe hangs between heaven and earth. So it's a plant of magic. It doesn't have any roots that we can see. Every other plant in the world has roots. Where does it get its nourishment from? And also, it's green at a time when the oak has no leaves. So it's called the golden bough. It's a green gold colour. The colour gold of the sun hanging like a grape because it grows in round shapes, hanging like a golden green orb in the sky when the sun isn't there. But its berries are white like the moon. So in a way, it's a balance between sun and moon hanging in the sky at the darkest time of year, a time when we're wondering if the sun will ever return. And what do we cut it with? We cut it with a blade, a sickle, that's the shape of the moon, but it's a golden blade, the colour of the sun. So mm. everything is to do with the conjunction of these two incredible bodies, uh, planetary bodies, on whom our life depends on Earth. What do you, you bring as part of the ritual? White bulls. Now, if anyone's seen a bull in a field, they know how potent and how strong and how full of life it is. Um, so what what it's doing is um, reminding us of the life power of the sun. The fact that the bulls are white shows that they come, they have an otherworldly connection. They're a direct, in direct relationship with the spiritual presence of the sun and they bring all of their life and energy to the ritual. And we gather the mistletoe, which is called all heal, to heal everything at this time of year. And it's an interesting fact that um, in some modern experimental cancer treatments even are using mistletoe. So it really is a, a healing plant. So those are the sort of lessons we learn from the uh, from the ancient uh, Druids. Um, there is an indication. I, I stopped the ceremony there because there's a reference to sacrifice. Modern spiritually inclined people know that we can only sacrifice parts of ourselves. Anything else is rather perverted and uh, and irrelevant. What we usually do is we sacrifice our time and our effort and our commitment to our spirituality. Uh, nothing else. So that's that's why I stopped it there. But afterwards they have a big feast and everyone is very happy because they've got this mistletoe. And that's what Pliny said the ancient Druids used to do. And um, it, I was, it was so lovely. I just feel warm. <laughs> and the nice thing is with the berries, because the berries with this sort of potent sap that they've got. Today, we still kiss under the mistletoe. And if you want to do it properly, you should pick a berry every time you, you take a kiss. And when, okay. and when the berries have gone, you've had it. The kissing's over. Okay. Oh, <laughs> thank you so much for doing that. That was really beautiful. It's yeah, I, you just feel the um, the warmth and the love and the connection. Mm, thank you, thank you. And it's something that's a ritual that's two thousand years old, 
yeah. you know, which is quite something, isn't it? And we still have part of it, yeah. as you say, kissing under the mistletoe going. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so are there any other um, projects that's coming up that you would like to mention? Well, uh, next uh, week sometime on the, we've got an online uh, druid ceremony. Well, for anyone who wants to partake in it, um, uh, it'll be a, a short druid ritual with a uh, meditation for the darkest time of the year. That's happening on the evening of the 19th, Saturday the 19th. But it will be available at other times as well. Um, so Lovely. That, I'll send a link to that as well. Um, yeah. And as I say, this book that I've got coming is, I'm trying to make, trying to make a fun book because I, I sound like quite a serious person, but I'm not. Um, and it's called Nine Ways to Charm a Dryad. Now, you have a lot of tree spirits where you are, don't you? So yeah. you know all about the tree spirits and the dryads and so on. And this is uh, nine ways of uh, of getting on well with them, making a relationship ah. with the dryad. Yeah. Oh, looking forward. When do you know when it will be released? Next year sometime? Uh, or? I'm hoping it will be next. I've handed in it into the publisher. So within about nine months, I think. Yes. Oh, lovely. So I could talk to you for so long. This is so interesting. <laughs> uh, but we're going to close this off with uh, the five questions that I ask all my um, guests. Yes. And um, as I said, my mission is to ignite our pure heart so we can hear our voice with all its wisdom and joy and love. And there are so many ways to this. And I just love being inspired by everyone and their ways. So uh, what is your top trick to connect to your what I call your heart, but I'm meaning your inner voice. And can you tell when you are not connected? I think we can all tell when we're not connected because we literally feel pulled out of ourselves. Um, and that might mean that we're irritable or depressed or withdrawn or whatever. But we, we feel that um, something is pulling us out. And what we're trying to do is center ourselves and ground ourselves. I would say micro rituals ritualize part of your life uh tiny little two minute rituals and set your alarm clock the alarm on your phone so at half past 12 every day if that's a convenient time you can just go and say hello to the sun you know at half past seven you can just say uh, make yourself a cup of tea sit down and say thank you to the day My, lots of little ritualized acts um and the other thing i would say is use physical gestures so if people would like to do it now, you're going to do one, put your dominant hand up and cup it as if you are cupping the sun, whether the sun's out or not, it doesn't matter. Imagine the sun in your hand, close your hand and quickly bring it down to your heart and feel the sun glowing in your heart and feel the line from the sun in the sky to the sun in your heart right down, extending through your feet to the inner fire in the center of the earth. And you are a bridge between heaven and earth and you are centered in yourself. Those sorts of things. Oh, thank you. That was lovely. I love that. It's beautiful. And then sometimes I feel it can be difficult to uh, separate. Is this my ego speaking uh, and wanting something or is it my heart? We kind of get muddled. And... Um, have you a way of telling the difference? 
I think if we're honest with ourselves, we can often tell the difference. But I think we can also rely on friends and family to, to let us know when we're acting uh, in a sort of ego driven way. I think our connection to other hum human beings is very useful. What I've noticed is that the voice of the in the inner voice of our authentic self often surprises us. We often think, mm. oh, where did that thought come from? Yeah, mm. That because it's coming from somewhere somewhere deep within um, and it often comes with a sense of knowing and you think no matter what happens this feels right you know you, it often comes with that feeling which which ego driven things don't uh, it's a thing the ego is to do with the rational mind interpreting the world but these inner voice things come from a much deeper place that somehow I think we can we can recognize uh, yeah and the more we practice using our subtle senses, the more we allow the voice of spirit to speak through us. Yeah. Yeah. When we're on the right path, life seems to make it easy for us. We feel that we're in flow and in harmony. You know, if I if I set something up and one thing after another is not exactly wrong, but becomes difficult and awkward, and whatever, I would really step back and have a rethink. Because when yeah. things are the way you're meant to go, usually they flow. Yeah, and sometimes they flow in a way that, as you said, we didn't expect. And uh, yeah. uh, but it's a much better way than we could have thought. That's why we mustn't be too specific, because often mm. we can't think of all the wonderful things that might happen to us. We've got to yeah. leave that to spirit, haven't we? Yeah. <laughs> So now we've heard our voice and we know, okay, this is my uh, my core speaking or my heart and soul, but it can still be difficult to take the step for whatever reason. So can you think of an example when you followed your voice, even though your head might have, uh, you know, tried to pull you another direction? I, yes, I can think of various examples, but they're mainly to do with work, actually. Mm -hmm. And I think... It's to do with this work and life and quality of life balance. So um, once we stop equating value with just money, we're likely to make much better decisions. And several times I've dumped jobs. I've, I've always had somewhere to go because you've got to be responsible for yourself and you've got to pay for yourself and that sort of thing. But mm. I've, I've dumped well-paid jobs in order to go to lesser paid jobs where I'll get more satisfaction or have more free time or whatever to balance up the quality of my life yeah mm, that's yeah. the main thing for me it's it's choosing that um that work-life balance and sometimes the the sensible decision is to work in a in a job that doesn't demand any of your attention at all but you can do competently to free up your your thoughts and, and your soul for, for for spiritual things there's nothing wrong with any sort of any sort of job at all you know it's all honorable way of making our way in the world isn't it yeah and that's so true to have something where you can instead put your mind mm. yeah free your mind yeah uh, at one point in my career i had to uh, chop 60 onions in about three minutes at the beginning of every day and once that once that didn't last long at that job but once that that was gone the rest of the day was a doddle i just used to live i just used to um 
have my own internal life while I dished up rice pudding to to people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the next question, I think we, we've tapped on this as well, and it's about how gratitude is such yeah. a lovely way to create more. And um, uh, how's your way of, I think you already said this, uh, to be grateful to your own beautiful part and the flow of life. Yes, I think COVID has taught us this the lesson to simplify our lives and to be grateful for what has happened to us today what hasn't happened to us today and and to and to be caring and compassionate for the rest of the world because our gratitude comes from our awareness of our incredible good luck but the way to keep keyed into it even in the good times when we're naturally just get on with enjoying ourselves is to build a regular practice tiny little things and build gratitude into them and once you do it you'll never ever go back to not doing that because mm. it enriches your own life to be grateful it's wonderful mm. and it, it uh, raises our vibration so quickly yes yes yeah so the last question we all have our ups and downs of course because mm. it's life uh, and when do you feel most connected to the flow of life and uh, how does it show up for you feel most connected when I feel most loved and I've got a lovely family but the wonderful thing is that I I also feel that love from the natural world so when things don't go as you want at home and you stomp off for a walk and within five minutes you get a sense of perspective you know that all human beings are really annoying, but you are as well. And you just get things in proportion and the trees start to whisper and say, oh, you're beginning to get it. And you get those loving feelings from nature. It just you can just be restored to being yourself instead of being pulled out into that annoying person um, within within seconds almost. Um, I think what happens is that when we feel the joy of love and gratitude then we notice synchronicity more um Hmm. i think you say how does it show up it shows up in synchronicity it shows up in in how quickly we get over life's upsets because to pretend that because we're spiritual we won't ever get annoyed with another human being and we won't ever be cross you know people who think that are living in a fantasy world and and if we feel like that, if we don't allow ourselves to be cross, we have to push that idea of crossness onto the rest of the world and blame everyone else. So hmm. we have to embrace ourselves as flawed human beings, but just learn to accept the love that is pouring to us from the rest of the world and notice it. It's always there. It's a, the, the trick is to notice it. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. So <laughs> that that was all. And is there anything you would like to add? Only that all this stuff is doesn't get done because it feels too easy. Our monkey brains want it to be difficult, want to feel that we're clever by doing it. It's really simple. And the only trick is to keep doing it, keep remembering. And that's yeah. a hell of a trick. It takes a lifetime. <laughs> yeah. And and especially I think when we are stressed or overworked or whatever, we forget and that's when it's most important. Of course, yes. 
Yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining today. And it's been uh, beautiful talking to you. And uh, again, I will put the links down below. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you, you must must have noticed that I love talking about this stuff. It's an yeah. a- absolute enthusiasm of mine. So thank you for giving me the opportunity and happy solstice to all your listeners. Yes, thank you. <laughs> so let's get straight into meditation and please get seated with your back straight and your palms up or if you're lying down your palms up and let's do some meditation jam. So let's start by taking three deep breaths. And imagine that there is a pillar of red healing earth energy that is coming from Mother Earth and it's going up through you and around you, covering your body inside and out and continuing up and out into the sky and the universe. And we now have this red healing earth energy keeping us grounded on this journey. And imagine that there is a similar pillar of divine bright light, universal energy that is coming from above and it's going down through you and around you, covering your body inside and out and continuing down into Mother Earth. And we now have this divine universal energy keeping us balanced on this journey. And we take another deep breath. And imagine that you are sitting inside somewhere. Could be where you are. Could be another place you know what. Whatever comes up. Let that be the right image and you hear the rain on the windows, maybe as a soft rain, maybe it's a heavy rain or maybe even a storm, again let whatever comes for you be the right thing at this moment and we focus on the sound of the rain on the window and we can relax as we are sitting inside dry warm with some candles
and we look out and we see the rain pouring down from the sky as a purifier all around us clearing the air clearing the ground and we set our focus to the rain hitting the ground drop by drop and it's being welcomed by the earth who is letting the water move through her layers helping the plants to grow now imagine yourself stepping outside standing in the rain still feeling warm secure becoming one with this beautiful movement of the water from the sky coming down to Mother Earth And as we feel the water on our skin, on our body, it is as a warm, loving wave is moving through us, neutralizing our emotion into a calm and relaxed state. clearing any lower vibration making us feel alive and connected to earth to nature to ourselves And maybe you see yourself starting to dance around in the rain. Feeling the joy. Of being free. 
from anything right now. Anything you have to do, must do. And is that all you want to do? Is coming forth. It's moving to your surface. Just as the grass grows while it's being watered on the ground by the rain. Your inner wants, wishes is growing from your heart, through your body, to your mind. Taking its place organically allowing you to see and feel and even understand your direction in life what you want to do and it arrives from lust and joy we are allowing this energy to move through us the rain is slowly moving on and the sun breaks out behind the clouds and it starts to warm the ground we're standing on it starts to dry our body and it ignites our heart our passion and strength for us to follow to take the steps to where we now know we want to move or go and we are just standing here facing the sun allowing its beautiful energy to 
feel our body and the ground around us. And it's a beautiful vibration that is strengthening our being. Allowing our seeds to grow into something beautiful, joyful. as we are standing here connected to the sun there is a soft wind there is blowing and as it moves past us removes any lost peace that could be in our way from before The wind is clearing our mind. Into our future. Into our past. Into our now. Removing blockages. That has not allowed us to see this new path. And we just let the wind sweep it away. With no thought of where and how or when. Just trusting that it's doing this for us. Just by just be us being here listening to this. And we are just breathing. Relaxing into this. Beautiful connection and help. From the elements. set our focus to Mother Earth and we feel her support as we are standing steady on the ground and we feel her love 
surrounding us, filling our body inside and out. And we allow her creational vibration to move through us with a feeling of joy Just soaking this all in, allowing any image to come and pass. If you like, you can set your intention to keep this going throughout your day to keep expanding this connection to your path, this cleared view, strengthened will and lust to Walk on this connected way. Illuminated way. And we take a deep breath. We give thanks to Mother Earth and Father Universe and our Higher Self for joining us today. You can start to come back into the room or the space where you started. Start to move your hands, your feet, your neck. Maybe clap your hands and stamp your feet and I thank you for listening. So welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that and it was such a beautiful energy to connect to. And I felt it was a really hands-on energy today, <laughs> if you can say that. We connected to Mother Earth and Father Universe and then the elements that just helped us clear our path walking ahead and uh, or moving ahead. And it cleared our mind and emotions and it helped us ignite our passion and lust to act and also to set those to... Um, have our seeds start to bloom and grow into the beautiful energy that we are. And as always, it doesn't matter if you fall asleep or are thinking of something else. Just by you being here listening to this, the energy is doing the work for you. So I know that some may fall asleep or think about what you are going to eat or something. And it's totally fine. The work is still done by your energy. 
And again, I also would like to say really warm thank you to Penny who joined us today and talked about being a druid in the 2020 and life and practices. And uh, I really enjoy that. So thank you so much. And if you are curious and want to see what Penny does and her books, you have links in the text below this pod. So this, I think this is the last, it's not the last meditation for the year because I'm going to do another full moon meditation. It is the last pod of the year. I might also do another end of the year meditation. It's been kind of something that's been popping up. I'm not sure yet, so I will let you know if it will uh, happen or if not maybe it will be the beginning of the year who knows <laughs> i'm following the flow and maybe i'm i'm feeling that today this meditation helped us get clarity in our path both clarity and also joy into our path uh, so that we actually want to take the steps and um, yeah so it will be fun to see when when that clarity pops up <laughs> in our day and maybe it's tomorrow and maybe it's in a week time or a month but then uh, then I will let you know and also as I said I've been uh, this has been such a transformational and growing year that I feel that my webpage is having a remake and with what I am doing what I am offering so as soon as I have that in place, I will also let you know. But I do feel like we are going from clarity to clarity and it's becoming more and more clear about what is happening and uh, what we can do. So I'm really happy about that. And if you are, haven't followed me in my social media, then I've been doing a December meditation calendar or pure heart calendar with a quick meditation every day, like five to eight minutes for us just to sink into our hearts as we start the day and even if it's not the right date you can still catch it on my social media and youtube to get the meditation so i'm so happy for everyone who has been following me this year and joining in with your beautiful energy and spreading this pure heart energy further i'm feeling really blessed and thankful and I'm looking forward to continuing this journey in 2021 and with all the exciting and I'm sure learning and uh, transformational activities that will take place. So have a beautiful holiday, a happy new year if you, we don't see each other before that. And again, thank you so much for all the support during this year. I am so happy. Lots of love. Satnam. Mm-hmm.